I'm going to begin by reading Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The word cloud in this verse means a throng, a multitude that cannot be numbered. And so the writer of Hebrews is referring to saints who have gone before us, like the heroes of faith mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the previous chapter. And so this verse indicates that they are observing us from heaven. So that means not only God knows what's happening in your life, but they do too. They are observing us. They are aware of whether we are making spiritual progress or not. You know, it's interesting, if you'll recall, the rich man who was suffering in Hades that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 16, he was concerned about his family. He said to Abraham, send Lazarus uh, because I have five brothers. Verse 28 says, lest they also come to this place of torment. So if a man in hell was concerned about his family in the earth, I am certain that believers who have gone on to glory are interested in your spiritual welfare and how you run your race. Can I get an amen? amen. The race that is set before us is the plan of God for our lives. I said the race that is set before us is the plan of God for our lives. That's what this is referring to. Before he breathed out his last breath, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. Now, hopefully that's what every Christian will say before he leaves this world. But truthfully, most believers don't finish their course. They just run out of time. So may this word inspire you and encourage you today. In, the in 1950, the Lord Jesus appeared to Brother Hagen and spoke to him about his ministry. And in the course of the conversation, the Lord said to him, when you resigned from the last church you pastored, and from there he went out in a traveling ministry, holding meetings uh, in different places and different churches. The Lord said, at that time, when you left your last church, you entered into the first phase of the ministry that I have for you. And Brother Hagin questioned this. He said he questioned this because he had pastored for over 12 years. And he said, Lord, you mean when I left my last church after 12 years of pastoring in different churches, only then... I stepped into the first part of the ministry that you prepared for me. And the Lord said this, many live and die and never even step into the first phase of the ministry I have for them.
You know, we can't finish our race if we never even start it. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. Notice he said, the race is set before us. God is not asking us, he's not asking you students to follow your ideas. To pers- you know, we often talk about, especially at graduation time, we often talk about, students, just pursue your dreams. But the Bible doesn't say anything about that. I think we've read too many Hallmark greeting cards and not enough of the scripture. The Bible doesn't say a word about that. But the Bible has a lot to say about fulfilling the will of God for your lives. Are you out there today? Amen. He wants us to fulfill his designs for our lives. Instead of you formulating your own plan for your life and asking God to bless it, you need to discover God's plan for your life because his plan is already blessed. Can I get an amen? A runner, a runner competing in a race doesn't just go anywhere he pleases. He must follow the predetermined path. Amen? You will not be rewarded for just running. Or in other words, just being busy. You'll be rewarded for finishing the race that God has prepared for you. Can I get a better amen than that this morning? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. Let me read to you another scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. Now. Many people in the church world are confused about the subject of works. On the one hand, there are many people in the church, in the church world, who are trying to earn their salvation with good works. They think that when they die, God will weigh their good works versus their bad works. And if the good things outweigh the bad things, he'll let them into heaven. And, of course, people who think this way are never sure about their salvation because they never know whether they've done enough good things. But that thinking is completely unscriptural. If you're depending on your good works to get you into heaven, you're in for the shock of your life. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. Are you listening to me? Amen. No, Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So I'm sure you know this, students, and others are here will bear witness to the fact that salvation is not an award for good behavior. It is a gift from God that was purchased on the cross with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're not saved by good works. But we are saved for good works. I said we are saved for good works. And there are many people who previously were working so hard to get saved when they learned about the grace of God, when they were born again and received the free gift of salvation, then they stopped working. 
But the Bible says in the book of Titus chapter 2 and verse 14 that we should be zealous for good works. Amen. So get your works to work in the right place. Get saved and then do the good works. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. But, and here's my, my main point, but not just any works. Looking again at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we need to do the good works which God prepared beforehand for us that we should walk in them. Once again, just doing a lot of good things is not good enough. You need to run the race that God has set before you. Are you out there today? Amen. By the way, when you're in the ministry, people can be very generous with their suggestions. Sometimes the congregation wants to write the pastor's job description. You should do this. You're the pastor. You need to visit him. You need to do that. You need to go there. But I always like to remind people that the shepherd doesn't follow the sheep. It's real quiet in this Holy Ghost church. I said the shepherd doesn't follow the sheep. Amen. You need to be led by the Lord and do what he's called you to do. Amen. Let me read to you the same verse in the Amplified Bible, Ephesians 2.10. It says in the middle of the verse, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. God wants you to live the good life. But the good life isn't a big house and a swimming pool. The good life isn't a Mercedes Benz. The good life is choosing the path that he has preordained for you. And what that means is when you're not in the perfect will of God, things don't work perfectly. They might kind of work, but they don't work the way that God really wants them to work. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Passion Translation, the same verse, says that we are a recreated people in Christ. That we will fulfill the destiny that he has given each of us. We are people of destiny. See, so you can't compare yourself to people in the world who are not in Christ. God has a predetermined destination that he wants you to reach. So we're not running aimlessly. We're not moving about through time without any definite aim. There's a goal in sight, and our eyes are on the prize. We're following a path that God has preordained for us. And let me say this to everybody. I find it comforting to know that God has a plan for each one of us. Whether you're in the ministry or not, if you're a child of God, he's got a plan for your life. Psalm 139 verse 16 says this, contemporary English version, even before I was born, you had written in your book everything I would do. There's nothing that you can do that will catch God by surprise because he can see tomorrow better than you can remember yesterday. He said he wrote in a book everything. I think that means that he wrote down in heaven everything he wanted us to do. That's what the Bible says. God is a planner. He planned redemption. He didn't leave it to chance. 
He meticulously and carefully planned even the minute details where Jesus would be born. They gave him sour vinegar on the cross and, you know, my own friend who's eaten my bread will lift up his heel against me in minute detail. And his plan for your life is no less certain or no less detailed. Hallelujah. If you'll let him, he'll take you places and he'll be involved in even the minute details of your life. Let me read another scripture real quickly here. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17 says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. Don't waste another minute wishing you were someone else. You know, you can admire the gifts and the abilities that God has given to others. You can see others who, you know, are musical and sing. You know, not me, but those people over there. You can, you can admire others who, you know, preach really well. You can admire, you know, skills and talents, organizational skills and things of that nature. And you might think, well, why didn't I get that? Why didn't I get that gift? Because you don't need it. God gave you the equipment that you need to run your race. Don't run someone else's race. Run yours. Stop comparing yourself with someone else. A lot of people have an inferiority complex because they are always comparing their weaknesses with someone else's strengths. But God did not put all the stars under any one man's skies. All of us have strengths. All of us also have weaknesses. Hallelujah. Don't try to imitate someone else because you're not a Xerox copy of anybody. You are an original. You are uniquely you. There will never be another you. And only you can run your race. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. God not only delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, he led them through the wilderness. In other words, he didn't just take them out of the house of slavery and say, all right, you need to go to the promised land. Uh, it's somewhere over there. No, he guided them. A pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Sometimes they just had to stop and camp for a while until the glory lifted and it's time to go now. In the same way, God not only redeemed you from sin and the powers of darkness, he's going to lead you through this journey of faith. He led you thus far and he will not quit you now. The Bible says in Romans 8:14, "For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Sons of God can expect to be led by the Spirit." Listen, God knows how to lead us. That's not the problem. The problem is we don't know how to follow. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Please sit down, everybody. Hallelujah. So that means God not only devised a plan for your life, he will lead you right in it. If you will follow the Holy Spirit, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you, have, if you follow the Holy Spirit, you will always be at the right place at the right time. Now, it may not be the place that you think is the right place, but trust me, it will be the right place. It may not be the place your mother thinks is the right place. It may not be the place your mother-in-law thinks is the right place, but it will be the right place. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
I was a student in the university. My first year, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. And that revolutionized my life. And uh, I quietly left my parents' denomination, and uh, we amicably parted company. And I started attending a small Pentecostal church. But uh, my parents were still in the previous church. And one Sunday, we, were, uh, we had arranged to have lunch together. But my church dismissed before theirs. So I headed over to the foyer of their church and was waiting for their service to dismiss. I happened to notice a lending library. I picked up one book and just glanced at it. It was entitled, Tortured for Christ. Some of you would never touch a book like that. Tortured for Christ. It was written by a man named Richard Wormbrand. He was, I believe, he was a Romanian pastor. And he talked about his experiences living under communist rule and how he was in prison and other believers and what they went through. I, I was so touched by that book, I, I went into an empty classroom and continued reading it. I mean, I had tears just streaming down my face. And I'm not even a member of that church anymore, and I don't have the right to borrow from their library, but I just stole their book. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do, you know? <laughs> you know, David ate the bread in the temple, so I figured I, I can steal their book. And uh, I gave it back later. But, um, and I just took it home, and I just devoured it. And I just, I just felt like the Spirit of God was just burning in my heart. Something seemed to tell me, you must help these people. You have to help these people. I'm just a college student. So I wrote to this man's ministry, and they said, well, you know, you can write letters. So I began to write letters to people who were living in that time, the Soviet Union, to encourage Christians, to encourage them. And then later, I happened to share some of these thoughts with others. And later, uh, someone introduced me to a, 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 an older woman who led young people behind what we called then the, the Iron Curtain into Eastern Europe. And uh, so I joined that team, and it forever changed my life. I knew, I knew that I would spend the rest of my life sharing God's word with other nations. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So what I'm saying is this. You may not even be conscious of the fact that God is guiding you. Some people are looking for the spectacular and missing the supernatural. They're looking for angels. They want to hear a thundering voice from heaven. But very often I think God in his providence just works out the situation and just somehow we know this is where I should be. This is what I should do. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Hallelujah. Let me give you another scripture. Proverbs twenty twenty four in the God's Word translation says, the Lord is the one who directs a person's steps. How then can anyone understand his own way? What does that mean? It's really encouraging. You don't have to be Albert Einstein to do the will of God. You just have to be obedient. You just have to do what God is telling you to do. Hallelujah. God promised to direct our steps. However, if you don't take any steps, God has nothing to direct. Nobody here can steer a parked car. You got to get it in gear. You got to get moving. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Again, with that in mind, listen, let me listen to this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Hebrews 11, 8 says this. By faith, Abraham obeyed. When he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. It's quite remarkable. An elderly man in his golden years who should be thinking about retirement, thinking about grandchildren, that type of thing, was uprooted from kith and kin, from family, from country. And God said, go to a place that I'll give you. And God didn't tell him where that was. Can you imagine Abraham packing up his suitcase, packing up his belongings, and his neighbor saying, are you going somewhere? Yeah. God has called me. Where are you going? I don't know. You don't know? I have no idea. Then how will you get there? He just began by faith. Faith is obeying God's voice even when it doesn't make sense to your head. And the Bible says he traveled from one place to another and eventually he came to Canaan's land and God spoke to him and said, this is the place. This is the place and I'm going to give this to you and to your seed forever. Students, soon to be graduates, there's a place for you too. There's a place that God has prepared for you. It took faith for you to come here. It took faith for you to stay here. And it will take faith for you to leave here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But notice in our text, Hebrews 12, as I make my way to the conclusion of this charge. In Hebrews 12, we're instructed, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. We all know that runners do not compete in a three-piece suit. They dress lightly. They wear like as little as possible. You wouldn't want to walk in the mall wearing what they wear, you know, when they run. Why? Because they, they don't want anything to slow them down. There are things in our lives which are not necessarily sins. It might be perfectly fine, except if it slows our progress things that are distracting us, things that are taking up too much of our time, things that are hindering us. Like I said, people say, well, are you saying it's a sin? Maybe not, but just because it's not a sin doesn't mean it's helpful. So if you feel like spiritually, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not, I'm not advancing. I'm not being promoted. I'm not really seeing grace in my life. Maybe there's some weights you need to lay aside. Maybe you need to say goodbye to certain pastimes, hobbies, people. It's real quiet in this Presbyter uh, Holy Ghost Church. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then he says we need to lay aside sin because disobedience delays your destiny. Thank God for his mercy. Oh, I stand here the most thankful person in the room. And I can testify that God is good. And we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. But he wants us to finish our race. And if we keep tripping over our shoelace every step we make, we may not finish. 
Lastly, it says, let us run with endurance. That's probably no one's favorite word, endurance. You've endured. You've endured four months of Pastor John. You should get a Nobel Prize just for that. You, you survived. Hallelujah. You've endured. Jeppy will, of course, get a better prize than you. But nonetheless, you've endured different things. Irritations. Hmm? Frustrations. Rules. Washing blankets. You've endured a lot of things. Hallelujah. Amen. See, that tells me, run your race with endurance. That tells me there are going to be some unpleasant things in this journey. Because nobody has to endure fun times. We have to endure hard times. Woo-hoo. Thank you for enthusiasm. So if we are thin-skinned, if we're easily offended, like somebody just looks at you cross-eyed and you backslide. <laughs> I'm not going back to that church ever again. Why? The pastor didn't shake my hand. Maybe he didn't even see your hand. I don't know. If, you, if you're tempted to quit at the slightest disappointment, you'll never finish your race. Come on, if you're easily upset over some little disappointment, the devil will rain on your parade every day. He'll bring a boatload of disappointment your way because he's found your hot button. He's found your weakness. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then some translations say, Run with patience. I noticed nobody said glory, hallelujah, amen. Because patience implies waiting. <laughs> what that means is things are not going to happen as fast as you would like them to. I really believe 80% of life is just waiting. I know you're waiting for me to finish so you can go home. I know. <laughs> just waiting, enduring, just being there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then, of course, with endurance and patience, there is a suggestion, and that's faithfulness. Because you've got to keep on running. Just keep on running. What if I fall down? Get up and keep running. What if I trip? Get up and keep on running. What if people are laughing at me? What if people don't support me? Just keep on running. What if I'm all alone? Just keep on running. What if I have fears? What if I have doubts? Just keep on running. Just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. Hallelujah. Be faithful. When I graduated from Bible school, the, one of the first jobs I had was working in a factory. It was a nasty place. The people I worked with are really nasty too. I don't want to go back there, but it was part of my education. And uh, I heard on the radio about a, a church, like a Rhema-type church, a, a church that teaches and preaches faith. And, and, and so I, I, I contacted them and found out that the pastor had graduated from Rhema. And so I visited that church, and they installed me that Sunday morning as their praise and worship leader. Just walking there, okay, you are now it. Because I was the only guy that could play an instrument. And you could see it, you know, they must have been a desperate if they chose me, right? You know, <laughs> they were desperate. And so, you know, I was there for a period of time. 
But this was a small, tiny storefront church. I mean, uh, there was one family that had like, I don't know, 17 children or something. I don't know, they had a huge number of children. And if they didn't turn up, the, 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 the attendance was half of what it normally was. So the pastor would have to call, you are coming this morning, right? Okay, yeah. And, uh, and so I, I, after a while, I got discouraged and I, I, I telephoned the pastor. I told him I'm stepping down. And uh, he said, is there any suggestions that you can give me? And listen, I made a mistake. I told him some of my suggestions. I should have kept my mouth shut. And, and looking back on that later... I realized I wasn't faithful. I thought I was, but I wasn't. I was just kind of doing maybe enough to get by. And I also realized that what I said probably didn't help him. He's probably already discouraged. He's probably already facing a lot of challenges. And, you know, me just glibly giving him a list of things I thought he needed to do probably did not help him. If you're 25 years old and you've never even been in the ministry you probably shouldn't be giving others advice. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Years later, I, I actually had a chance to talk to that pastor, and I told him I was sorry. And he was very gracious. I just want to close by saying, I haven't always been faithful, but God has always been faithful to me. I've made mistakes, probably more than anybody in this room. I guess I'm a slow learner. But God has been patient with me, and he didn't give up on me, even after I repeatedly failed. And I know he won't fail you. I, won't, I know he won't give up on you either. So my word to you is run your race. Run with patience the race that is set before you. Give yourself completely to do the will of God. Be willing to put your dreams on the altar. Be willing to lay aside your own ideas or maybe even your family's expectations of what you should be doing so that you fully pursue the plan of God for your life. I did that, and I have no regrets. I encourage you to do the same. We'll pray for the students now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this precious class of 2022.